Welcome to The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Today, as part of our family, you will experience the life-changing and spirit-nurturing Word of God. Please enjoy this time with us, where we're committed to helping you grow in knowledge, grow in faith, and grow in God. St. Mark Baptist Church, you grow here. Welcome back to the Grow Factor podcast, a broadcast ministry of the St. Mark Baptist Church here in Little Rock, Arkansas. My name is Pastor Richards. I'm the Connections Pastor here at St. Mark, and I'm joined by our senior pastor, Dr. Philip L. Pointer Sr., as always. And we are really, really digging into some deep waters. Our theme this year is to dig deeper, and we have decided to uh, enter these deep waters of the Exodus account and talk about both deliverance and duty. What we see in the lives of the Israelites is that God does deliver them miraculously out of the land of Egypt. But in addition to that, he provides them with a duty after their deliverance. So in this episode, we're going to talk about judgment and liberation. If you are someone who is interested in plagues, we're going to cover the plagues in Egypt. And it's going to be a good episode. So make sure you tune in. Looking forward to you all joining us on this episode. Well, Pastor Porner, judgment and liberation. Yeah. The last time we left Brother Mo, <laughs> he was uh, mad at God <laughs> for sending him and for his people's increased oppression. He ends chapter number five. By saying, ever since I went in to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has caused trouble for this people. And you haven't rescued your people at all. Yeah. And then what we see to enter chapter number six, uh, this is uh, Pastor John paraphrase. Verse number one, God says, I can show you better than I can tell you. <laughs> I love it. Like, you don't think that I have, but I can show you better than I can tell you. And then he's going to lay out exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes on to run his own resume. Yeah. Uh, in verses two through four by saying, hey, I showed up for the pre- patriarchs. Mm-hmm. I, I appeared to the patriarchs, the people who went before you. Yeah. I've been faithful to them. And he says, I've heard my people's groanings in verse number five. And then he goes through his plan of redemption that's going to be accomplished mm-hmm. through judgment. <sighs> So his redemptive plan is ultimately going to be accomplished. Ooh, that's a gospel moment that right is, there. That is that the gospel. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. God's redemptive plan mm-hmm. has always yes. been that it's going to be accomplished through judgment of the sin that entered the world in mm-hmm. Genesis. Yeah. And we see that here in the book of Exodus. And here's the crazy part. Moses goes and tells the people. I want to read this verse because mm-hmm. I think it's important. Verse yeah. number nine. Yeah. nine. Yeah. Um, he goes to tell the people. It says, Moses told this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their broken spirit oh, man. and hard labor. Mm-hmm. We talked about this in our last session, but how that bricks without straw had them to a, in a place of hopelessness. Yep. That even though Moses came and told them what God was going to do through this judgment, they were already too broken to receive it. Yeah, and and that is a that's that's such a salient point for so many of us who feel that sense of despair and brokenness 
that sometimes we hear good news, we hear what God is going to do, we are reminded of God's promises, but circumstances have just beat us down mm. so much that we just, it's hard to believe or at, at, a, at a certain season or moment in life, it feels like I just don't believe that anymore, or I used to believe it, or, or Lord, I want to believe it, but nothing in my life tells me or shows me that it is mm-hmm. uh, and you know I want to I want you to graduate to this wonderful dimension of faith that re- that requires no evidence and just believes everything God said if, every time God says it the first time God says it mm-hmm. but the reality is a part of our human process is wrestling with doubts that come from uh, uh, our difficulties that result in despair mm-hmm. uh, but here's what I love about God mm-hmm. verse 9 says the people did not listen to him, but it doesn't stop God from delivering them anyway. Mm-hmm. Even with their despair that creates doubt, God's plan of deliverance is still going to go forward uh, in spite of their unbelief and their skepticism. Uh, this, this, from my perspective, reasonable skepticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if it's not reasonable, then certainly it's understandable mm-hmm. from a human perspective. So that that my people mm-hmm. is still resonating. Yeah, that these, chapter five, verse one. These are my people. These are my people, my possession. Mm-hmm. That even despite their doubt, even despite their broken spirit, mm-hmm. that I am still a God who is saying that you are my possession. Yeah, and I'm still going to rescue you. Absolutely, still going to rescue you. Yeah. So, uh, God then sends moses the pharaoh again and then moses again brings up his speaking issues Mm -hmm. he doubts god in verses 10 through 12 and ultimately he gives moses and aaron a charge in verse 13 and says that it says that he gave them commands concerning both israelites and pharaoh the king of egypt Mm -hmm. to bring the israelites out of the land of egypt and then we get this genealogy that, that shows up uh, prior to what we're going to talk about with the plagues, but God lays out the genealogy of Moses and Aaron, and it kind of gives a history, historical account of where they come from mm-hmm. so that he can prepare them for where they're going. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, there's so much we could do a season on genealogies and their significance in scripture. And sometimes they're born to read. This is thankfully a shorter one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's not one of the long extended ones. Um, But genealogies don't just connect people. They connect people to promises. They also speak to identity. Um, Boy, I don't have, we don't have time for this, Pastor John, but just if I had time, what I would tell them is um, Moses and Aaron are, are descendants of Levi, mm-hmm. who's the third son of Jacob, otherwise known as Israel. And um, their uh, Levi's uh, mother is Leah, who was the rejected um, mm-hmm. sister. Jacob married two sisters. Uh, he's tricked into marrying Leah. He doesn't like her. He doesn't want her. Uh, but that doesn't stop him from having children by her. And um, she named the first one Reuben, which means seeing. She wants to be seen. The second one, Simeon, she said, well, I may not be that cute, but at least he could listen to me. I've been giving him two kids and my sister, Rachel, who's the cute one, ain't gave him no cheering yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the third one is Levi, which means joined. Mm-hmm. Uh, Levi, that term, that name joined, she says in the book of Genesis, my husband is now joined to me like he can't go nowhere. Now nah, I got, got him. him. <laughs> got him. <laughs> um, uh, but he still doesn't love her. So the the 
what she actually does is speaking to the destiny of his descendants. So joined, meaning, for instance, that when you get into the promised land, the Levites will always have to be joined to the people in order to receive. They don't get their own land. Uh, But we see it in the life of Moses and Aaron, Moses who has to be joined to Aaron to accomplish his purpose because of his own sense of of um, of inadequacy, a right sense of inadequacy, but a low view of God's um, adequacy. So here, here's what here's what that genealogy shows us. It shows us um, a legitimate uh, um, legacy yeah. as children of Jacob and 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 the ability to lead the people of God. But it also shows us a an ongoing weakness. It is a it is a it is a foreshadowing of an ongoing weakness of Moses that will not be yeah. resolved. Hmm. That this idea of the joining, that he, he's going to always need <laughs> or think he's going to always think he needs stuff he doesn't need. Hmm. And as powerful and strong a leader as he is, but this, this is going to be the chink in his armor, yeah. uh, that, so to speak. And so that gene- genealogy tells us several things about uh, about Moses and, and that's why this that's helpful because immediately after we get that genealogy mm-hmm. look at what happens in the text um, in verse number 28 on the day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt he said to him I'm the Lord tell Pharaoh king of Egypt everything I'm telling you this is he just said this to God mm-hmm. then we get the genealogy which he he always feels like something's missing right mm-hmm. and then it says but Moses replied in the Lord's presence since I am such a poor speaker, how will Pharaoh listen to me? This is at least the third time he's mm. told God this. He said it in chapter four. Yep. He said it twice here in chapter six. Mm, mm, mm. It, and and then we see uh, God being gracious enough mm-hmm. to answer him like, <laughs> okay, I, I get it. Yeah, I've already told you that yeah. I'm going to provide the words in your mouth mm-hmm. and then give you someone to go with you in Aaron to help you in this process. Yeah. In verse number one, it says, see, I've made you like God to Pharaoh. Yeah. And Aaron, your brother, will be your prophet. Verse two, you must say, and this is the shift verse we talk about. This mm-hmm. is the verse that really shifts the narrative here. Mm-hmm. You must say whatever I command you. Then Aaron, your brother, must declare it to Pharaoh so that he will let the Israelites go from his land and he's going to go through uh, and we're going to talk about these plagues here, but we see that God responds to him and says, Hey, I still need you to say whatever it is. I command you that even despite in the midst of your doubts, I'm still going to be the God who, again, we talked about this previously, who made your mouth. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still going to put words in your mouth, even though words of doubt are coming out that same Mm -hmm. mouth. Yeah. Yeah, so that when you go before Pharaoh, here's what I love about my God, and this is my testimony too, so it ain't just Mo, it's, old, it's, it's P too, mm-hmm. is that God will empower you to do what is necessary for your purpose in public even while you wrestle with God in private. So That's good. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't even begin to tell you the, the wrestling God and I do, maybe probably every week, <laughs> <laughs> you know, about some private issue mm-hmm. or one or another, just my own disappointment, my own despair or mm-hmm. some doubt or some some wrestle, something happens that God and I have to tussle with. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to time to execute purpose, God empowers you for your purpose mm-hmm. to do what you're called to do 
and uh, and that that sense of 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 grace mm. that God puts on us to do what God has called us to do, in spite of the human things we wrestle with, is so incredibly life giving and encouraging. To mm. remember that God is letting you get it done. I'm still going to empower you, even with all of your 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 weaknesses and, and mm. sense of inadequacy mode. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah. So let's talk about these ten plagues and, and liberation. Mm. I, I don't know about you, but growing up in church, I ain't gonna lie. I enjoyed reading about the ten plagues. <laughs> it, it was fun. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is about judgment and 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 John in his adolescent years, but this was this was a fun read for me. <laughs> John, I don't know if you want to admit that out loud. Just to, <laughs> yeah, Lord, kill him. I mean, that's the kind of spirit. <laughs> Maybe it was just all just the animals uh, and all that uh, good stuff. Yeah, fix I'm it. I'm trying to clean it up. I'm trying to clean it up. Fix it. But um, it's it's so good to be able to read this uh, through a lens uh, through which we've already taught people on how to particularly study texts like this because it could lend to some bad interpretation. Oh goodness, yeah. And we've seen people interpret these texts in in the wrong way. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, prayerfully, we're going to work through this in a way that is faithful to the text and kind of helps people to understand what's actually happening here in the context and yeah. then be able to apply it in to our own understand lives. understand the plagues, you have to understand Egyptian culture and religion. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't understand Egyptian culture and religion of this time and this day, you're going to miss the plagues every time. Mm-hmm. And we see that happen over and over again. Um, so that interpreting this text, Pastor John, is not done through, merely through the lens, solely through the lens of the Hebrew people mm-hmm. and the Israelites. It must be done through the lens of the Egyptians and Pharaoh. Yep. Their self-understanding, their worship, their culture, their economy, mm-hmm. understanding Egypt mm-hmm. is cl- key to understanding why we have the plagues in the first place yeah. at all, much less what they mean individually and collectively. And here's another important piece, too, because God himself actually initially calls these signs and wonders. Mm-hmm. So he's not initially saying, I'm going to put all these plagues on these folks. Like, these were actually supposed to be pointing. Mm-hmm. Signs point you somewhere. Mm-hmm. So if Jesus, if God says that these are going to be signs and wonders, then we need to know exactly where these signs and wonders are pointing. And that's what we see in verse three, where he says that these are signs and wonders, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, another sticky theological point that people wrestle with is God saying, verse three, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Mm. Um, This idea, first of all, the, the, the number 10 generally in scripture represents power. Mm. So it's what we're, what we're getting at in the totality of the 10 plagues is a display of God's power, mm. a display of God's supremacy. Remember, uh, and, and I want to go back to this in chapter five because this is critical to understanding why we get the plagues in the first place. So chapter five, verse one, Moses and Aaron went in, said to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival for me in the wilderness. Remember, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D means Yahweh, the covenant name of God. Pharaoh responded, who is the Lord? Mm. Who is Yahweh that I should obey him by letting Israel go? I don't know the Lord 
And besides, I will not let Israel go. So that I don't know Yahweh. I don't know this. Mm. I am that I. I don't know this cat. Who this? Who 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 is he? Get God to tell me to let God's people that God's people go. Mm. That the, when he says I don't know, it it's literally I don't recognize. Mm. I don't recognize. I'm unfamiliar with him. So mm. God says, okay, let me introduce myself to you. <laughs> Allow me to introduce myself. Let me let me go on and let me yeah. <laughs> to meet. Nice to meet you. Mm. And so mm. that's what the plagues are. It's God. It's not even God. God could have got Israel out in the first place. This is why Moses is frustrated at the end of chapter five. Right. God, you could do this. Boom, 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 boom. Mm. But God said, no, 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 no. I need y'all to stay there because I need to introduce myself to Pharaoh. Mm. Mm. And we need Pharaoh to hold on mm. so I can fully disclose myself to Pharaoh in a context that Pharaoh and Egypt will understand. Oh. So I'm not doing it for your sake. Mm-mm. As a matter of fact, all of this is for the sake of the Egyptians to know who I am. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that that that's that's the key to understanding these 10 plagues. Mm. Why does this idea of God hardening Pharaoh's heart? Uh, first of all, Pharaoh's heart was hard. It is a an anthropomorphism. It doesn't mean that God is actually making Pharaoh's heart hard. Right. It is God allowing Pharaoh's hard heart mm. to be sustained or maintained while God fully uncovers God's self mm. to Egypt in the way that Egyptians would understand that God is the biggest, baddest God there mm. is. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things we have to keep in mind is that God's judgment wasn't just on the Egyptians, but actually on the gods and the idols that they worship. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the Passover here in just a moment, but um, not just a moment, but in several episodes down the road. Mm-hmm. But in verse number 12 in Exodus 12, it says, I will pass through the land. And so he's discussing the Passover of the Egypt. On that night, and strike every firstborn born male in the land of Egypt, both people and animals. Listen to this. I am the Lord. I will execute judgments against all the gods mm-hmm. of Egypt. Mm-hmm. So what God is doing here in this text and what we're going to see through the plagues is that he's specifically addressing the gods that Pharaoh knows. Mm-hmm. So that he can introduce Pharaoh to the God that he doesn't know. Yes, Lord. So that's what we're going to see in this text. Who, 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 who is this God? I'm getting ready to show you. <laughs> I'm getting ready to line up your gods. Mm. And then I'm going to show you I'm God over you. those you think are gods. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what's happening. So here's the here's the thing that really strikes me about this text, especially when you really study it, is that this these plagues are actually bookended by miracles Mm -hmm. so that although it starts in a miraculous way Mm -hmm. that there's a natural progression that occurs throughout the rest of the plagues Mm -hmm. that is just a natural consequence of that initial miracle yeah that that progression of consequences that's the the Judgment often works that way. Mm. <laughs> um, that 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 you know, God, why did you let this happen? Well, some things are the consequence <laughs> right. of our lack of responsiveness or obedience to God, mm. and that's what happens in these plagues. And they are tragic and they are awful, mm. but they're these are things that have many of them. We're going to see in in from two to nine mm. natural explanations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to see. Mm-hmm. So let, let's let's start looking at these plagues uh, with the first plague. 
in chapter number seven. And that plague is the water being turned into blood. Listen to verse number 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning. When you see him walking out to the water, stand ready to meet him by the bank of the Nile, taking your hand, the staff that turned into a snake. Tell him the Lord, the God of Hebrews has sent me to tell you, let my people go so they may worship me in the wilderness. But so far you have not listened. So let's go down a little bit further to verse number 19. So the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the rivers, canals, ponds, and all the water reservoirs, and they will become blood. And there will be blood throughout the land of Egypt, even in the wooden and stone containers. Mm -hmm. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded in the sight of Pharaoh and his officials. He raised the staff and struck the water on the Nile, and all the water in the Nile turned to blood. The fish in the Nile died, and the river smelled so bad, the Egyptians could not drink the water from it. There was blood throughout the land of Egypt. And then what we see is the magicians, the Egyptian magicians actually go on and try to replicate Mm -hmm. that same uh, miracle. They said that they did the same thing by their occult practices. And Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not listen to them as the Lord has said. So here's what we have. Um, that these ten plagues actually begin and end with what are called, like I said, bookended by supernatural miracles. Uh, this first miracle, we would say, is supernatural. Now, there are some scholars mm-hmm. who say, well, the, the Nile is red. Uh, it has a clay at the bottom. Uh, it could turn red with that sanitary material and kill all the fl- fish. Yeah, and and then there are some that say there's a particular algae and a algae. disease that can happen that would explain the water in that river, mm-hmm. Nile, mm-hmm. but it doesn't explain the wooden containers and the stone containers. Yeah, like how the, does the water The jump water out? that's already drawn out <laughs> <laughs> also turns yeah. uh, into this into this. Um, uh, poisoned water, so to mm-hmm. speak. So mm-hmm. uh, the miraculous, even if it wasn't, even if the whole Nile, even <laughs> if the river could be explained, <coughs> you cannot explain the water that's already been drawn and is sitting in containers. That there is some, some supernatural. Some happened. <laughs> some supernatural. <laughs> God did something right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and this goes back to this matters of biblical interpretation, right? Mm-hmm. Usually when you, when someone's written, especially in this type of genre, it's a narrative. And it says the water turned to blood. Mm-hmm. The water turned to blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is not uh, symbolic. Mm-hmm. It's not allegorical. Yeah. Um, we are to believe that the water turned, not the color of blood, <laughs> uh, but turned yeah. to blood. Yeah. yeah. So this supernatural event becomes the natural consequence of these next eight plagues. But here's the important part about the Nile River because. The Nile River was actually Egypt's greatest economic resource. Mm-hmm. When you think about contemporarily, if you think about Silicon Valley yeah. and what they produce from Silicon Valley, yeah. that becomes one of our greatest economic all, resources. All ancient right? cultures and many of the modern cultures that have extreme economic um, um, vitality, it's because they're connected to water. water. Yeah. Uh, so. Egypt, and then you're going to have Babylon lo- located between the Nile and Euphrates, mm. uh, uh, not the Nile, the uh, uh, Tigris, Tigris and Euphrates rivers uh, that create the Fertile Crescent. Then you're going to have um, the great rivers of Europe that uh, boom populations, uh, 
places where you can transport goods and people easily. Mm. Um, rivers are and bodies of water in general are mm. extremely important to um, many economies. Our uh, the, the 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 big result of uh, pandemic was that the coasts were lined with ships with goods mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, ships still carry a whole lot of product. Yeah, uh, that's why it took ten days for your Amazon practice to come <laughs> instead of one because when it came from China, it was sitting on the harbor for a long time. <laughs> you know that kind of stuff. Uh, so bodies of water are are important economically, and mm. Egypt, I told you in an early episode. Um, is known as Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, dark land, because the richness of the soil uh, in the center of that nation was the the Nile made them prosperous. It made the soil rich. It allowed for trade uh, with, with other nations, and it gave them wealth. It gave them power. It gave them significance. And to this day, the Nile. Hmm. Is an important part of the of of Egypt. Yeah, we yeah. see that all over. I mean, yeah. Little Rock, Arkansas River, Memphis, mm-hmm. Mississippi River. Yeah, like wherever you're going to see cities that are built to prosper, you certainly are going to see some body of water mm-hmm. that's nearby. Now, what happens when you disrupt that economic resource? And that's what we see here in this text. The whole economic system shut down. Shut down. Because the water has now turned to blood. And here's what happens when you disrupt the economy. Mm-hmm. You need to expect some retribution. Mm-hmm. Somebody going to say or do something when yeah. you're disruptive to yeah. the economy. Yeah. And that's what we see here in this text with the Egyptians. Uh, it's funny that the magicians try to replicate the economic uh Wipeout that yeah. happens for this plague. It's like they almost you almost say, "Well, shouldn't y'all try to fix it?" Yeah, yeah. And now you want to try to replicate the economy being torn down. Yeah, it's really interesting to see that. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't want to get go f- too far to the left side of life <laughs> on this, but but you see that in um, in in many ways that people almost root against depending on who's office in office, mm. <laughs> you know, root against a robust economy or root against mm. people making money and being able to feed their families and, and take a vacation. You know what I mean? Mm. That people want power so bad yeah. <laughs> that they would, they would, they want the current office holders or the po- party in power to fail mm. so that they can get power back, mm-hmm. uh, which makes absolutely no sense to me. <laughs> and that's all the rhetoric, rhetoric right? You, yeah. Gas prices are high. Yeah. Inflation is high yeah. because so-and-so is in office. Yeah. And we have that rhetoric because we are so tied to the economic realities mm-hmm. uh, without understanding that some leadership um, doesn't have that type of influence yeah. <laughs> over yeah. the economic yeah. realities. And we're not actually working on the systems that reflect that, but we try to put somebody's personal face mm-hmm. to that problem at yeah. times. Yeah, and, you know, who can make it worse is the, is the well, we can make it as bad as you can make it, that mm-hmm. kind of idea mm-hmm. that comes from this kind of grasping for power. Because mm-hmm. what ends up happening, what you're talking about, again, is a challenge to a social system that has enslaved a group of people, an entire nation of people. Yeah. And that uh, system is being threatened. Mm-hmm. And so there are people who are complicit in the system, benefiting from the system, who try to perpetuate the system by saying, well, we can make it as bad as anybody else can. Mm-hmm. That kind of idea. And, and it, it, it's a bit, it's a bit, 
is a bit ridiculous. We've seen that historically. I mean, Black Wall Street, we talked about this before, is a paramount example mm-hmm. of disrupting the economy in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. You see black and, and black folks on Black Wall Street, doctors, lawyers, business people running a whole theater. They have their own source of everything. Yeah. You don't have to go outside of this community for anything and it disrupts the entire community in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. This one small community that's close knit that really recycles their economic resources within the community mm-hmm. um, causes a riot, not a riot, a massacre, massacre to happen in Tulsa because they have disrupted this economy mm-hmm. that Tulsa is now dependent on them to give them money. And they're saying, no, we're just going to recycle it among our community. And that's a no-no. Yeah. Yeah. That's a no-no. And and Pastor John, I think it's important that we highlight again. So God is proving God's godness over Egyptian idols. Yeah. And so this first plague, Mm. this idol that God God is demonstrating sovereignty over. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the God of the Nile, mm-hmm. <laughs> who is uh, who Egyptians have prayed to and leaned on and believe in, and the reason we're so prosperous is because of this God, mm. and we don't know your God, and God says, okay, mm. let me show you. Yeah, that God's name is Hoppy, mm. and he's like, I'm going to take care of Hoppy. Yeah, let me, ha- <laughs> let me handle Hoppy for you. Yeah, let me, let me put some Hop in Hoppy. And, um, and that God... <clears throat> Of the night, one of the most powerful gods in Egyptian, uh, in their pantheon, yeah. is defeated, pinned, mm. knocked out. Mm. First plague, mm. one of your one of your main sources. So you think, mm. let me demonstrate, I'm I'm stronger than that god. And even the stuff that he generates mm-hmm. that is taken out of the water, yeah. and placed in these wooden and stone containers. Mm-hmm also is subject to God's power. Yeah. Yeah. That I is, can I can reach it out of the river. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So so that's plague one. And then what we see next is going to be plague number two, and that's the plague of the frogs mm-hmm. in um chapter eight verses one through fourteen. <clears throat> and this this actually deals with the God Hecht mm-hmm. in the Egyptian experience in chapter number eight. And um, verse number five, I'll start there. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, canals, and ponds, and cause the frogs to come upon the land of Egypt. When Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, the frogs came up and covered the land. Here again. But the magicians did the same thing by their occult practices and brought frogs out on to the land. Mm -hmm. The Pharaoh goes back and says, all right, appeal. To the Lord. <laughs> now he knows the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to remove the frogs from me and my people, then I will let the people go and they can sacrifice to the Lord. So so what we see here is again, we got that first supernatural miracle. Mm-hmm. Uh where do frogs live? In the water. Yeah. So when their natural habitat is disrupted, mm-hmm. then they have to find other locations right so they're finding themselves overrun on the land with frogs because they've been displaced yes from their natural environment and now they make their way into homes and to, to overrunning the land in egypt yeah and egyptians again worshiped frogs mm-hmm. uh you could not kill a frog mm-hmm. as an egyptian 
um, they they considered Hecht to be uh, uh, this this deity that uh, gave them favor. When the Nile turns to blood, these ponds and streams turn to blood. Fish start dying, decomposing. Frogs say this is a poisonous environment. Mm-hmm. We gonna get up out of here, mm. and they come out on the land, and it becomes a plague of frogs. Yeah. Um, in that they begin to disrupt the normal, everyday um, life mm. of Egyptian uh, uh, dealings in their animals. Mm. Um, the 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 issue is in addition to the frogs just being there, they are carrying with them some of this decomposition, yep. uh, some of the issues of these fish dying, this blood. Mm. Uh, and so it creates this kind of uh, petri dish <laughs> environment um, yep. on the land, which is, which is quite, quite mm. disgusting to mm. think about. Mm. Uh, but again, God saying, I'm stronger than your frog god. Yeah, yeah. Because they would wear these jewelry pieces that were in the shape of a frog. They mm-hmm. had they had the the piece, the big medallion piece that y'all see yeah. uh, your favorite wa- rapper wearing. You're well, right. they wore them around their necks. Yeah, and they it, w- it wasn't a Jesus piece. <laughs> it was a hecht piece. It was a hecht. <laughs> <laughs> they had a nice frog piece yeah. on their neck. Yeah. And they were prohibited from even killing frogs because they – held them out as deities. So now they have an issue. Mm-hmm. All these frogs are coming on the land. We worship them. Mm-hmm. They're bringing disease. Mm-hmm. What is it that we can do? Because we now can't, remember the Israelites had to go out and sacrifice animals because yep. they, the Egyptians worshiped animals. So now they have a dilemma. Mm-hmm. We can't deal with these frogs because of our limitations, because we worship these idols. Yeah, and it, this is, and this is gonna lead us to the next plague. Um, Verse 8 of chapter 8, I, I just want to see this process. Uh, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron, mm. said, appeal to the Lord to remove the frogs from me and my people, then I will let the people go, they can sacrifice to the Lord. Yeah. Moses said to Pharaoh, you may have the honor of choosing. Hmm. When should I appeal on behalf of you, your officials and your people, that the frogs be taken away from you and your houses and remain only in the now. Listen to Pharaoh tomorrow, <laughs> he answered. Mm. Moses replied, as you've said, and so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will go, go away from you, your houses, your officials, and your people. The frogs will remain only in the Nile. Mm. And y'all, mm. the old preacher would preach that sermon and call it one more night with the frogs. This is this is what this is what what leads to the next plague. Uh, verse twelve. After Moses and Aaron went f- out from Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord for help concerning the frogs that he had brought against Pharaoh. Then the Lord did as Moses had said. The frogs in the houses, courtyards, and fields died. Mm-hmm. Mm. They piled them in countless heaps, and there was a terrible odor in the land. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. This idea of of not being ready for release. Mm. You know what I mean? And we you know, we do that one more night with the frogs thing all the time. We do it in relationships we know we shouldn't be in. We do it um it, with with habits we know we need to end. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I my, my one night with my one more night with the frogs frequently is this all right, I'm gonna get Popeyes one more day and then my dad starts tomorrow. <laughs> I'm gonna eat not salad and salmon tomorrow, <laughs> but I'm gonna eat this 
two piece in these <laughs> tenders one more time. <laughs> but it's you know it's 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 one of those it's one of those things that mm. that that um, uh, when opportunity for freedom comes, yeah, we can't be we can't linger, we can't be lazy with it. We have to be aggressive mm. uh, toward it. Now the thing about this is, Pastor John, mm. this daytime death of the frogs. As opposed to a nighttime, had he said right now, right away tonight, frogs die at night. You perhaps push them in the river or burn their bodies, whatever you're gonna do. Mm. But when they die in the day, the heat of the sun mm-hmm. begins to decompose those bodies, and now we get plague three. Yeah, and 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 that's what when it comes down to it, this idol of the frogs become just a ruinous heap. Mm-hmm. That something that they worship before is just this ruinous, uh, bacteria-filled, mm-hmm. decomposing heap before a sovereign God, mm-hmm. and and then we see the next plague in verses sixteen through nineteen that shows up as a result of what you're saying. Yeah, it's been out in the daytime, mm-hmm. been out in the heat. Uh, I grew up in Georgia, and I call it nat, nat country. <laughs> And we about to see some gnats show up. <laughs> and I know y'all know about gnats too. Yeah. And they are no joke. But look at what happens in verse number 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the land. And it will become gnats throughout the land of Egypt. And they did this. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff. And when he struck the dust of the land, gnats were on the people and animals. All the dust of the land became gnats throughout the land of Egypt. Listen to this. The magicians tried to produce gnats using their occult practices, but they could not. Couldn't do that. The gnats remained on people and animals. <laughs> Listen what what the magicians say. Man, these gnats too much. <laughs> this yeah. is the finger of God. Yeah, this finger of God. <laughs> the magician said to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Yeah, and this might be sand fleas mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you don't have any frogs to eat, these kinds of creatures, then they flow in abundance. Yeah, they're going to multiply. Yeah, they're going to they <laughs> they have their way. You know what I mean? Uh, ain't no danger. I don't, mm-hmm. have to, I don't have to lay up under the sand. Yeah. Um, I can just flourish. I can jump out. Mm-hmm. And so the death of the frogs um, in mass mm-hmm. creates an opportunity for one of the frogs, a natural prey, mm-hmm. to overrun the land. Yeah. And you still have the water that's around. And if you've ever seen a standing water pool, Mm -hmm. you know that you're going to have gnats and all types of bugs that collect in those standing water pools. So this is also just a natural consequence of that that water event. That that, that water event. And the this this may be sand fleas, it may be mosquitoes, it may be both. And Mm -hmm. uh, as you look at the the original Hebrew and what uh, scholars say this animal might have been. And again, Pharaoh's choice is tomorrow, mm. and this creates again this the domino falls. The next domino falls where mm. these gnats, sand fleas, mosquitoes just overrun everything. They 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 become uh, as it were a swarming um, um, annoyance, and they become prohibitive to again the daily rhythm of life in Egypt. Now, the, now the sand, the sand flea god got to be the weakest god. <laughs> I mean, I guess people are scared of the sand fleas and the gnats because mm-hmm. they they can swarm you. Mm-hmm. But this is still just kind of a, just a polemic against the god of these 
gnats and his name is Hathor or that God's name is Hathor. So so again, God again shows up and says that this God that you worship, that's a natural consequence of these events. I'm telling a story mm. here and saying I'm addressing every single one of these gods so y'all can realize that I am Yahweh in control over all these gods. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then it gives birth the, the the decomposition of the frogs mm. gives birth to this next plague, mm-hmm. which is that swarm of flies. Yep. So the flies show up in verse number 20. Uh, God tells Moses to meet Pharaoh at the water again. <laughs> He's going down to the water again. And um, he says in verse number 21, but if you will not let my people go, this is uh, him commanding Moses what to say. Then I will send swarms of flies against you, your officials, your people, and your houses. The Egyptians' houses will swarm with flies, and so will the land where they live. But on that day, I will give special treatment. This is new. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. But on that day, I will give special treatment to the land of Goshen, where my people are living. No flies will be there. This way, you will know that I, the Lord, am in the land. I will make a distinction. Between my people yes, sir. and your people, and this sign will take place tomorrow. This is the first time. Now, the text implies here mm-hmm. that these first three plagues yeah. are plagues that the Israelites also themselves experienced. They had to deal with it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they're, they, they're near the water source, yep. and they experienced the, flat, the frogs and the nets. But now God steps in and says, now... I'm going to make a distinction Mm -hmm. here between my people and your people when it comes to these flies. And we see that here in this text. And this is a a polemic against Isis or Shu, um, the the Egyptian god who is the god of the flies, the the lord or the goddess of the flies. Mm -hmm. Um, So we see that these rotting frogs and decaying fish, y'all know what happens. Yeah. You're going to get flies attracted to stuff that is rotted and decaying. So this is just a natural consequence. But interestingly enough, for the people of Israel, they don't experience this particular plague and several plagues moving forward. Yeah, it, 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 so here's the, there are some things God's people must endure because we also live in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. But then there are periods and times of supernatural protection that demonstrate there's something special about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the Bible says God reigns on the just and the unjust. There are, we live in a fallen world. Yeah. There are things that come along with living in a fallen world, sickness and, and disease, uh, things like that, and mm-hmm. economic issues at times, things like that, and, and broken relationships and, and, and injustice, one of the things we, mm. we talk about often. Uh, but then there are things that God will do or not allow to happen mm. to demonstrate sovereign protection for you to be reminded mm. that your God will keep you. Mm. Uh, and that this swarm of flies, so the decomposition, the decaying uh, bodies of the frogs and the fish, mm attract these flies, which again, spread other disease and those kinds of things. And y'all, God says, I just, wanna, I just want you to know hmm. my people are special to me. Hmm. Hmm. And so I'm gonna protect them this time from this ongoing 
issue. Mm. Yeah. Man, I, I really wish we had time because Pharaoh's response is interesting here mm-hmm. because he turns around and says in verse number 28, I will let you go and sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Listen to what he says. Mm-hmm. But don't go very far. <laughs> he said, I'll let you go sacrifice in the wilderness and worship in the wilderness, but I still need you close. Mm-hmm. I still need you close enough for me to be able to control that experience, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, again, he says, make an appeal for me. Uh, and then as soon as I leave you, Moses said, I will appeal to the Lord and tomorrow swarms of flies will depart from Pharaoh. So you see this cycle of uh, there's this Pharaoh seeming to repent, quote mm-hmm. unquote, mm-hmm. but then he turns around and again, his heart is hardened. You'll mm-hmm. see that cycle happen over and over again. It happens here with the flies where we see God's people suffering through those first three plagues, but now they're here, they're spared in this fourth one. But Pastor John, I don't want to, I don't want to skip over the fact that, that Pharaoh also says before he says, don't go far, mm. he says, Okay, you can sacrifice to your God, but just stay here yeah. and do it. Yeah. Just do it in here. And and they say we can't do that because um I, our God is detestable mm. to the Egyptians. Again, one of the, the the cultural differences is the revering and worship of animals. So if we mm. do if we worship our way, y'all ain't gonna like it. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's a reminder that the believer's life and testimony, Lord have mercy, help me to say this right. We need to stop trying to make church palatable mm. for the world. Yeah. Yeah. What we do, the way we worship and the things we believe are mm-hmm. going to be offensive. Yeah. And I'm not talking about style here. I'm not talking about the music we play and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the substance, the core of what we believe mm-hmm. is going to be offensive. The idea of absolute truth, the idea of a singular path to God that goes through the life and the death and the resurrection and believes in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. That's detestable to the world. Wow. And we cannot sugarcoat and gloss over or be ashamed. Stop. Mm-hmm. Stop letting people knock you off your square because they're offended by the way you believe God. Mm. Mm. And that, 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 that's in verse 26. He's, we can't, we can't, you, you couldn't handle mm. this. Mm. It will be detestable to you. Uh, and so that, that idea, then Pharaoh says, you know, like people like you to be a Christian because they want you to be kind and mm. giving and accepting and gracious, but they just want you to do it within the world system. Mm-hmm. You know, be be kind without any standards, mm. <laughs> be accepting without any morals. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? And that when we say, oh, no, we also have morals and we still believe in right and wrong. then they say, no, nah, we don't like that. Don't but, have gospel informed ethics. No, not a gospel informed ethic. God know that. Not mm. that. And mm. then and then even if you do have it. Just don't let it go too far. See, some of y'all just go too far with it. I'm I'm okay with, you know, but Jesus and all that, but some of y'all take it too far. That's Pharaoh. <laughs> just I mean, go out but yeah. not too far. Yeah. Be be different but not too different because that's offensive to me. Yeah. Um I think that's an important point because his first response really does say 
to the reader and says to the Israelites that Pharaoh's gods are dispensable. <laughs> yeah. Because he says to them, go and sacrifice in the land. Mm-hmm. Even though sacrificing animals that mm-hmm. are gods yeah. is illegal in Egypt, mm-hmm. he's really willing to dispose of his gods mm-hmm. to retain the oppression of the people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's big. That's so big. It's it's the... It, and it's the culture's way, hmm. isn't it? It's, it's the culture's way, and especially oppressive um, systems and spirits and, and their earthly representatives. It's their way hmm. of doing all they can. It's, it's Pastor John, this is why you have a, such thing as a slave Bible. Yep. The slave Bible is initially, or, 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 or the initial thing is enslaved people we will not allow them to convert to Christianity. Hmm. When it happens over and against their wishes, they say, okay, hmm. but do it within the land. Wow. Let's take out Exodus. Let's take out these Pauline epistles. Let's rip out most of the gospels. Hmm. Uh, and let's make sure we give them things that we think will make them good slaves. Wow. Wow. Because the standard is negotiable as long as the bottom line is met. Whew. And that's Pharaoh's. That's, that's how you know mm. it's Pharaoh. Mm. You mm. know, Pharaoh is willing to move the standard around mm. to achieve the, the end is going to justify the means. Yeah. That's what you're going to see. That's yeah. what you're going to see. So we, we have the flies show up and then now we move to the plague of the livestock where God says again, go to Pharaoh Tell him to let my people go. If you don't, I'm going to send the plague against your horses, donkeys, um, camels, herds, and flocks, verse 3 mm-hmm. in chapter number 9. But the Lord, again, will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt so that nothing of all that the Israelites own will die. And the Lord set a time saying, tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. Mm-hmm. The Lord did this the next day. All the Egyptian livestock died. Hmm but none among the Israelites' livestock died. Pharaoh sent messengers who saw that not a single one of Israelite livestock was dead, but Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he did not let the people go. Again, this is the cow god in Egyptian cultures, Apis, and the bacteria, again, natural. Mm -hmm. When you have bacteria from cows and decomposing fish and frogs, you're going to naturally lead to the death of livestock and in agrarian culture. The swarming of these gnats, which are sand fleas or mosquitoes and flies, it's going to carry that disease mm. to those livestock quickly. It's going to spread quickly. Mm. It's, it's going to create this contagious environment. Um, mm. And these livestock are, gonna, are going to go down fast. Um, especially as they feed together, as they sleep together, mm-hmm. as they uh, as they mate, whatever they're doing, whatever that's happening, the mm-hmm. plagues before create this particular plague now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and to demonstrate that this God Apis that y'all are so mm-hmm. you you won't sacrifice your cows, so I'll I'll take them from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so that's what we have the livestock, and now in verses eight through twelve, I. I like this passage because God's like, I need you to go and take some soot, just throw it up in the air. (laughs) (laughs) Throw some soot in the air and 
that's going to cause boils to come. Now, I'm not sure if that's a symbolic act that demonstrates that this next natural progression is going to happen, but that's, this is what he commands them to do mm-hmm. in chapter 9, verses 8 and 9. So it says that they took the furnace soot, stood before Pharaoh. Moses threw it toward heaven, and it became festering boils on the people and the animals. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians as well mm-hmm. as on all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart again. And he did not listen to them as the Lord had told Moses. Again, this is another Egyptian god, Sekhmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this caused by the bites from the flies mm-hmm. that had contact. When these flies have contact with decomposing frogs <laughs> and they come bite you, yeah, you probably going to get some boils You're going to get you. some on you. You're going to get some of that on you. You're going to get some of that on you. Um, Pastor John, we've been talking about econ- economic mm. Um, realities and the, and here's what ends up happening sick pockets lead to sick bodies hmm. you when 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 economies go down yep. health physical and mental hmm. follow also hmm. what we don't often talk about is the residuals of negative economic uh, uh, realities, and when people are Egyptians had never experienced this. Hmm. They, they, this would this this generation of them had not experienced this. They didn't know what it was like to have the fish you catch out of Nile die on you. Hmm. The Nile itself to become undrinkable and unpassable. They hmm. didn't know what it was like to have their livestock wiped out, hmm. and so. Then the result is it begins to show up in their manifesting their physical bodies, including the spread of this contagious disease that creates mm. boils on them, mm. a pox, if you will. Mm. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah. So those boils uh, show up and ravish this community, mm-hmm. uh, ravish it both economically and in other ways. And then we have this seventh plague that appears in Exodus chapter 9, verses uh, 13 through 35. I'm going to start in 22 and just read a little bit. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven and let there be hell throughout the land of Egypt on people and animals and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. So Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven and the Lord sent thunder and hail. Lightning struck the land and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. Now, I will say this. uh, Earlier, uh, God says, uh, I could have stretched out my hand, verse 15, and struck you and your people with a plague, and you would have been obliterated from the earth. However, I've let you live for this purpose. This is it. To show you my power Yep. and to make my name known on the earth. I could have took you out. Right. But I let you live just so I can show you who I was. You asked who I was. Right. You now say, I'm going to continue to show say, you. You say you don't recognize me. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to make sure you know who I am. Mm. Then the other thing is this is the most powerful nation on mm. the earth at this time. It mm. is it is the number one uh uh nation. It's it's the, you know, it's the it's the it's the leading nation as it were. Mm. Some would perhaps call it the most powerful country. Mm. on the earth um mm. i don't know if we've heard that kind of terminology before that <laughs> someone would say that the person who is the pharaoh would be perhaps like 
oh, a president of a Western nation that would be called the most powerful man on the earth, that kind of thing. And God is saying, if I can upset you, Mm -hmm. I can demonstrate to the rest of the known world what Mm -hmm. my power is. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you look indestructible Mm -hmm. and undefeatable, Mm -hmm. but nothing can stop God's judgment when it's coming. And uh, and I'm not gonna. I, I sh- could have wiped you out, but I'm gonna preserve you, mm. so that your this this struggle and my power will testify to the truth of who I am and my sovereignty. Mm. And that this hail is another example of that 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 God's name, yeah. John. Yep. So it's a polemic against that God of Gib, and and again, uh, what we're seeing here is is God continuing to send these signs and wonders. And what we see in chapter nine, we see again that Pharaoh hardens his heart and God now turns to another plague of locust, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, against the God Serephus uh, of the Egyptian climate and culture. And what we see here is that Moses and Aaron go up to Pharaoh again um, and Moses were brought back to him. Verse number eight, go worship chapter the, 10, mm-hmm. chapter number 10. Yeah. So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. Go worship the Lord, your God. Uh, Pharaoh asked them, but <laughs> who will be going? <laughs> wait, everybody going? <laughs> All of y'all? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Moses replies very boldly. We will go with our young and with our old. We will go with our sons and daughters, with our flocks, with our herds, because we must hold the Lord's festival. He said to them, the Lord will have to be with you if I will ever let you and your families go. Look out, you're heading for trouble. No, just go with your able-bodied men. Worship the Lord since, what, since that's what you want. And they were driven from Pharaoh's presence. And then the Lord tells Moses to stretch out his hand um, and he brings this plague of locusts, but look at where the locusts come from in verse number 13. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord sent a east wind over the land all that day and through the night. That won't be the last time we see this. It sure won't. <laughs> this won't be. Put a, underline that in your Bible. If you If you got a physical Bible or even in your underline it highlight it that that east wind east wind is important that blew all night mm. Mm. that's big we're gonna see it again by the morning mm-hmm. the east wind had bought in the locust so god uses this natural phenomenon of an east wind mm-hmm. to bring in this swarm of locusts into egypt so that he could judge this God of locusts. Yeah, and let me let's let's so that we don't miss the the significance of the progression here. The hail and thunder and lightning mm. have destroyed the crops. Yep. Uh, so so what you see in chapter nine is the destruction of the crops in Egypt. And again, Goshen, where the Israelites are, is spared. Yeah. Uh, so you have, as it were, these places where. Um, these locusts would be housed or 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 able to feed in reasonable amounts and and numbers. You know, you mm-hmm. you, you most people who garden know you lose something to to the wildlife. <laughs> um, but when the when all of the crops are destroyed, mm-hmm. those locusts have no choice but to come up yeah. and to 
look around for something to eat. Mm. Uh, again, this is this is a, a natural consequence of this ongoing. The, the hail itself is a, uh, a, a a part of the the environment being upsetted. So the Nile and then these mm. animals decomposing. Now you have an environment. The air is off, mm. as it were. Mm. Um, you know, I don't want to use that that term that they use today because somebody doesn't believe in it. But the, <laughs> but the, you know, when when perhaps things warm and cool as in ways they are not supposed to, mm. you get violent storms like that, that hail. Mm. Uh, so as it were, maybe if the globe were to be warming, something like that, these storms become more frequent and more severe. Mm. Uh, and that's what Egypt is experiencing, again, as an mm. aspect of the a natural consequence mm. Mm. of their own uh, hardness of heart and 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 the locusts are right up on the heels of it. Plants mm. are gone because mm. the hail has destroyed them. Lightning has destroyed those crops and trees and stuff like that. And the locusts just mm. run wild. Mm. Yeah. So up until this point, we've seen the utter destruction of the Egyptian economy. Mm-hmm. But uh, some of the Egyptians would say, well, those are just little gods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't need y'all to mess with our main two. Yeah. So God saves the main two mm-hmm. for last. Right. So uh, up until that point, he destroyed their economy. Now he's going to turn and say, I want to destroy the Egyptian soul. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to destroy their main two yeah. gods with these last two plagues. Uh, one being a natural consequence, again, of what we see with these locusts. The next plague is going to be darkness. Mm-hmm. And one of their main gods is the god Ra. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's seen as the God of light, um, the God who brings light to the Egyptian people. So God says, hey, you think you have the God of light. Let me show y'all what I think about Ra yeah. and that God of light in that ninth plague beginning in verse number 21. And he said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven and there will be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness that can be felt. <laughs> Not just the regular darkness, <clears throat> not not the Rick James darkness, <laughs> but a darkness. <laughs> <laughs> but a darkness <laughs> that can be felt. Oh, so oh, that's so good. Moses stretched out his hand toward the heaven and there was a thick darkness throughout the land of Egypt for three days one person could not see another and for three days they did not move from where they were they couldn't move yet all the israelites who had light where they lived (laughs) so pharaoh summoned moses and said go worship the lord even your families may go with you so i'm i'm lifting that male standard that i had before now your families can go Mm mm-hmm only your flocks and your economic means and your mm-hmm. your means of worshiping and he sacrificing. Just, he, he just wants them to have something to have to come back and get. Come. For first, the guys can go, but leave your family. And then, mm. no, 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 it, you, the people can go, but not your stuff because I need you to come back mm. to have something valuable to you to come back and get. I want you to go worship, but don't take the animals that you need to sacrifice yeah. to worship yeah, your I don't, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whew. Moses responded, you must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings to prepare for the Lord our God. Even our livestock must go with us. 
Um, not a hoof will be left behind because mm-hmm. we will take some of them to worship the Lord our God. Skip down. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. He was unwilling to let them go. He said, leave me. Make sure you never see my face again. For on the day you see my face, you will die. And you've, as you have said, Moses replied, I will never see your face again. Mm-hmm. So this darkness, this darkness is actually caused by what could have been and should have been dust storms as a result of these locusts coming in yeah. and just scorching the land. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've ever seen or if y'all have ever seen a locust take care of a land that is looking yeah. lush. Yeah. But when they come through, they take care of everything and, and ravish everything. Yeah. So they don't just eat like the fruit or the leaves. They eat that stem down to the ground. There is a they they totally destroy everything and it creates that mm-hmm. dry environment that that mm-hmm. simple wind kicks up these dust storms mm-hmm. especially in that part of the world is very easy mm-hmm. uh, for there to have been especially if that the wind that blows the locusts in is is continuing to blow even in small ways it creates mm-hmm. this earth darkening environment so mm-hmm. to speak the miracle is that there's light in Goshen. Light in Goshen. And the, and the gospel symbolism is that the rest of the, the world is dark. Mm. That there is no l- true light <laughs> in the world save the light of the gospel, save the light of Christ, save the light of mm. believers doing what Jesus tells us to do in Matthew 5, which is good works, mm. being salt and light, mm. uh, so that men may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. And that it is it is the Ra who is supposed to be the god of the sun. It is a false light. It is a it's lie light, l i e light. It's light that ain't really light. Mm, mm. Um, and so, in in that same way, the the world's intellect and discoveries and sense of 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 right and truth are all they must bow their knee to the light of who Christ is and if not it is actually darkness that's crazy they're they're in the same land mm-hmm. one side darkness one side light and look what happens in darkness they can't see can't see and they can't move yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that when you see people walking in darkness that 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 scripture tells us about this that the the god of this world mm-hmm. has blinded their eyes they they can't see because of that darkness and then there's an immobilizing function that comes with darkness. Mm-hmm. There's this place where you feel like you're you're stuck. And the Israelites are standing on the other side with that light. And again, as you said, as believers, we are to be able to shine our lights into that darkness so people can see. Yes. And so that people can move. Yeah. People can move. So so this targets the national god mm-hmm. of Egypt, mm-hmm. Ra, who is the god of the sun and actually the father supposed to be a pharaoh the the pharaoh dynasty the the, mm. the, the dynastic um uh, legacy of pharaoh is that they are descendants of ra supposedly so that pharaoh himself is supposed to be divine pharaoh mm. is a god mm. uh himself and mm. and god says well let me let me get your daddy. Mm. <laughs> My daddy can beat your daddy. <laughs> it's what Moses says. Uh, and, and it's proven in the darkness. Mm. Yeah. You don't know me, but your daddy about to know yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So, so we have this plague of darkness that happens, and then the final plague, which is the penultimate plague, which is supernatural. Mm-hmm. 
that we started with the supernatural plague in the first plague uh, with the water turning from uh, water to blood. But now we see uh, this 10th plague that we've we've covered before with the death of the firstborn. But it's uh, and as we move into the Passover in our next episode, we'll talk about that. But uh, what we see in chapter number 11 um, is that the Lord says to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. And again, You've already seen that Pharaoh said, you'll never see my face again. Moses said, all right, I sure won't. Mm -hmm. And then what we see here in chapter 11 is that um, God tells him when he lets you go, verse 1, he will drive you out of here. Now announce to the people that both men and women should ask their neighbors for silver and gold items. The Lord gave the people favor with the Egyptians in addition Moses himself was very highly regarded in the land of Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and people. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says about midnight. I will go throughout Egypt and every firstborn male in the land of Egypt will die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the firstborn of the servant girl who is at the grindstone, as well as every firstborn of the livestock. Then there will be a great cry of anguish throughout all the land of Egypt, such as never was before. Then he says, but against all of Israelites, whether people or animals, not even a dog will snarl mm. so that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And the Lord, verse number nine, the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you so that you may, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let the Israelites go. So Pharaoh's son as we learned here, is going to also be slaughtered in this process, which does two things. It threatens, one, his divinity, because mm-hmm. he has no progeny to mm-hmm. continue his divine nature. Mm-hmm. So when Pharaoh dies, yeah. his divine seed, quote-unquote, quote dies. Unquote yes. So this is what happens in this final plague with the death of the firstborn. It takes Pharaoh... And says, I'm going to take out your entire lineage with this one plague and demonstrate to you that I am the God of all creation and all the universe. Yeah. John, here is. okay. this is the inside out, Hmm. upside down grace of these plagues. Hmm. Two, three, four, five, all the way through nine. These are. Um, natural consequences demonstrating God's power over economic and 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 uh, idolatrous concepts of Egypt and therefore mm. the world in all its uh, iterations. Mm. But one in nine, Pharaoh did not grasp the privilege. Mm. Uh, one in ten, rather, of the first plague and the last plague, both pointing. To the Son of God, Christ, who is living water mm. on the cross, the flowing river of living water becomes a fountain of blood. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. On the cross, mm. the firstborn is slaughtered in our stead. And we'll see Christ again in the Passover lamb uh, as a substitute, but. In in the plague, he is the son mm. who dies. 
Can I just say the blood flows to all the vessels yeah. in the land? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even the wooden and stone vessels. It, 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 that the, the, the bookends of these plagues mm. point to the cross of Jesus Christ so that even as we celebrate liberation and grace, we are to be mindful of the judgment due to us. Mm. The judgment endured by Pharaoh in Egypt in natural ways was due to us spiritually and naturally. And yet the plagues mm. <laughs> hit Jesus mm. instead of us. And that river of blood is still flowing. Mm. Mm. And the death of the firstborn means that the second and third and fourthborns don't have to die. Mm. And in the same way, Christ <laughs> for us takes the death so that we who are, he is the firstborn of them who will be resurrected from the dead so that the rest of us who were born uh, by the water and by the spirit, and those of us who will be born again by our faith in Jesus Christ, come to that place of, of life or enjoy the privilege of of life mm. um, because he's already he's already died and Paul is explicit in Romans that when he died we died mm. in him and when he was raised we are raised with him mm. uh, Pastor John this thing excites me because our foreparents would say I've died one time mm. I ain't gonna die no more <laughs> um, and even mm. reading these plagues and seeing the judgment of God, even if I have to deal with some consequential issues in two through nine, mm. I don't have to deal with the supernatural issues of one in ten because mm. Jesus has taken that for me. Yes, sir. Mm. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Growth Factor podcast. We do hope that you never look at the 10 plagues the same again as we have looked at what it means to uh, see judgment and liberation in that passage and in that text. And ultimately, God uses both supernatural and natural means to lead to his people's liberation. So we're grateful for you all joining us. Do me a favor. Go over to Facebook. Join our growing community over there, the Growth Factor being shepherded by our very own online campus pastor, Pastor Crystal. We'd love for you all to join that community. Also, make sure you follow our podcast on all major streaming platforms. And also, make sure you leave us a rating or a review. We'd love for you to be able to do that. But ultimately, we want you to share this podcast with others who we think would be helped by understand what it means to dive into these deep waters in the book of Exodus. This has been The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and join our Facebook group, The Growth Factor, for daily motivational content. Let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening.